Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Our man Chris Biederman, beat writer for the Sacramento Kings, Sacramento Bee, uh, does the Candlestick Chronicles with with, with Kyle Matson. He's, he's a great Kings reporter. He's a great 49ers reporter. Uh, he's out in Detroit. He had a tough travel day yesterday. He was just about to launch into what was probably the greatest story of all time. Now I'm on the edge of my seat wondering what was ab- about to happen as we come back. No, I, it's not a good story at all. I was just, <laughs> you, you, know you, go, you know you go to the airport and you see those people kind of sprinting mm-hmm. and oh, like yeah. going place to place. And you're like, man, I just never want to be that person. Yeah, That was me yesterday. Oh. I sprinted across across O'Hare from the G gates to the L gates only to come up short. I was 10 minutes before my, my connections departure, but they still closed the door on me. So I had to wait in O'Hare for four hours yesterday. So they should just call O'Hare airport. I hate you airport. Cause it is constructed. Like it hates people. Never be. Yeah, is it worse than Atlanta? $12 voucher. It's with, they gave me a $12 voucher, which got me like two thirds of a cocktail. So very okay. nice. I hope you enjoyed it. It is worse than Atlanta. There aren't many worse than O'Hare. O'Hare is, tough mm. it is tough tough i know tough. the best is like sacramento well, yeah sacramento, you can show up five minutes before the flight and just phenomenal. walk yeah you'd be fine yeah, you just phenomenal. walk in there and take a picture hey. of the rabbit and keep it moving hey yeah you got to take the rabbit picture well that's, that's usually when you come back hey, no one Mando. takes a picture when they Mando. leave um, i've never taken a picture of the rabbit for the record oh you slipping you ain't really no sacramento. i'm not i'm just you ain't really sacramento oh, okay I'm Sacramento. You ain't Sacramento. Okay. I, I'm ne- I'll, I'll state this for the record. I am never taking a picture of the rabbit. <laughs> you gotta just be a principal. Got to take a rabbit pick. Um, I was just going to say, though, you know, it's unfortunate. Well, no, nah, I ain't even going to go there because it's not even unfortunate. You know, running through the airport is only one thing that we think about. OJ. <laughs> <laughs> the only one commercial. thing we think about running through the airport. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Hey it's, man, I won't yep. mention this guy's uh, yep. name. I'll give him his initials. OJ, OJ. Okay, thank you, man. <laughs> I won't. But, uh, let's let's dive into let's dive into the Kings here. Um, what what was the vibe following the the before we get into Detroit tonight? Where you are? What was the what was the vibe following uh, the Raptors game? Because you were there uh, with them and. That was obviously a hell of a win for this team. Man, they were happy, you know, and and it was a struggle. It looked like it was going to be a really frustrating loss, particularly early in the game. They fall down 16 points early in the second quarter. They're not getting calls. Like De'Aaron Fox is clearly frustrated with the officiating throughout the game. Um, they weren't shooting all that well. Uh, they, 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 they did get some production from Terrence Davis. They didn't have Ter- uh, Kevin Herter in that game, obviously. Um, and it was kind of a slog, and, and it just sort of felt like with the way the Raptors can often defend with all the length that they have, that it would be a tough game for the Kings to get back into. And then they did make that run at the end of the, at the, end of the second quarter, and, and they really just kept it close. Like, the game was never really out of reach in the second half, and, and that's when, you know, as time went on and, and it felt like the game never 
really got out of hand for the Kings. You know that they can score offensively, and if they if they could just get stops, um, then then things might break their way. And then the game completely changed when when Mike Brown got ejected, and you know all the players. I'm sure you guys have heard and talked and read about it. Like all the players mentioned that that was a real turning point, and they said you know Mike Brown might have done it on purpose, but Malik Monk told me like that was the reason we won the game. Mm-hmm. Like it it gave them an energy boost that they needed on the second night of a back to back after a tough game in Philadelphia. And then they sort of locked in and refocused and they played better defense um, and they played a really good fourth quarter and they got the win and, and, you know, celebrated Jordy Fernandez. I I think Jordy's a a guy who might be sort of an unsung hero on this team. He's Mike Brown's top assistant. He's a defensive guy. Um, He actually coached Terrence Davis at summer league before Davis even got into the NBA before he signed with the Raptors. Um, So there's a comfort level there with those two. And just, you know, it, it, everyone was really happy for Jordy. Jordy's, you know, answering questions in Spanish postgame. Damanis Sabonis is reminding everybody that he speaks Spanish mm-hmm. postgame. He speaks Spanish fluently, and he grew up in Spain. And everyone's kind of looking around like, Domas knows Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But no, the vibes, you know, the vibes with the Kings all year have been good. And that's that's ultimately the thing I keep coming back to is is a team that or an organization that isn't known for for you know, being one that players want to be a part of, I, it feels like that's turning this year. And the vibes after the Toronto game certainly indicated that. Hey, I want to talk about uh, De'Aaron Fox because, you know, I say this all the time. When things go wrong as a superstar, as the quote-unquote best player on the team, you got to wear that. If You know, you're in Philadelphia and you put up 15 points and one assist and, you know, people are looking around like, yo, you've got to be better. You've got to wear that that same energy needs to be kept when he has a game like he had Wednesday against Toronto, where not only did he play well, but he was a driving force. And he was clutch, De'Aaron Fox, at the end of that game through everything that he was going through uh, to bring it home. What did you think about De'Aaron in that game coming off the Philadelphia game? Did you see him um, a little bit more locked in or a little bit more, um, I want to say focused, but just a little more determined to, to make sure like, hey, I need to pick my game up, and obviously, yeah, de- de- determine is a, is the word I would use. It, it was clear that he was frustrated, right? And and he was. It, it felt like watching him play that he was playing against the officials and the Raptors in in his own head, right? Like he felt a little bit of the extra motivation. Like, man, I really just gotta will us to this victory because all things are against us. We're on the road. It's the second night of a back to back. We don't have our head coach. And so that was a moment you really look for, you know, when you're a star player, like when you give a guy a max contract like De'Aaron Fox got, that's the type of performance that you need from him on the road. And that's what the Kings got. He was hitting shots. Um, I think you could make a similar claim to for, for Domas, who just, you know, 20 rebounds, the second 2020 game of the season, um, really took advantage of Toronto lacking a true center. Um, and even though Toronto has a ton of length, they just didn't have a traditional big. And, and Domas went down in the post and, and did his thing. Um, and it, it really seems like when those two are clicking, when Domas has is getting a bunch of rebounds and, you know, the Kings won the possession battle or they didn't win it. They, they had one less field goal or one fewer field goal attempt while uh, the Raptors had like I think it was a 12 advantage in turnovers. So the fact that the Kings were able to get so many second chance points was a tribute to Domas. But just in terms of like the team spirit and the way um, that Fox maintained that determination to just try to like will the team to win to say, hey, I'm going to score in this fourth quarter um, because we need this victory. Uh, I I thought that spoke 
to, you know, some of the steps that he's taking this year as a star on, on a good player. And when we talk about, you know, the all-star game coming down the road, like those are the types of performances that you're going to point to, like regardless of the stats and all that stuff, it's like when the team really needs its star player to come through in a key moment, if De'Aaron Fox can keep putting together situate like performances like that in the fourth quarter, like he did in Toronto, then that's going to be what gets him to the all-star game ultimately, in my opinion. Chris Biederman, kind enough to join us from Detroit here on D'Lo and KC. So let's shift to that game tonight. The question of the day, and I will not lead the witness in this question. Mm. Does tonight's game determine whether the trip was successful or not? Does the outcome of tonight's game determine whether the trip was successful or not? That's tough to say. I, I guess I'd have to I'd have to ask the the players that if they really view it in those terms. But like, you know, the loss to New York and and the way the Philadelphia game went, it's hard to feel particularly good about the road trip, knowing that those are some pretty winnable games the way those teams have been playing. Um, but finishing a road trip three and three, probably one of their toughest road trips of the season, and and being able to beat Cleveland um, or early on in the trip, I think it. it, it is obviously a really good sign but no like I I think you talk to NBA people they'll tell you like win the majority of your games at home and be around 500 on the road and and that's what you can hang your hat on and and that could you know likely get you to the playoffs right if if the Kings can finish an East Coast trip three and three given the circumstances given that you know some of these guys are sick like that some of the guys told me that that Alex Len's obviously away from the team because he's he's ill but um, like a cop's going around the locker room and and with all the travel and the weather and all that stuff um, that's certainly been something that they've had to contend with on top of just the difficulties of, of playing in the road on the NBA. So um, I think three and three would be an acceptable outcome. I think a successful trip would have been four and two probably because you, you probably don't sleepwalk through the through the New York game and you play a little bit better, more clean in the in the Philadelphia game. But no, three and three, I think you'd come away with it, I guess, satisfied if you're the Kings or maybe a Kings fan, in my opinion, whereas I think four and two, or better probably would have would have defined a successful trip in my opinion. Yeah, so what's two and four mean? <laughs> <laughs> two and four would be bad, particularly, you know, the Pistons losing Cade Cunningham, being the second worst team in the league record wise, that that would be bad. I would be very surprised if the Kings um if the uh, given given all the I mean, I guess I shouldn't say surprise because stuff happens in the NBA and we did see the Pistons play the Kings pretty tough uh, when they came to Golden One a few weeks ago, but um yeah, two and four, like losing tonight, that would leave an awfully bitter taste in all their mouths, given that um, it, it seemed like such a stirring win for the team and morale and everything like that when they when they were able to beat Toronto uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a sign of where this team is right now as well, though, where people feel that way. And that's not, yeah. a, that's not a bad thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's not a bad thing at all. I, I, I look at you know in a in a sense i look at you know two four two and four in a vacuum and saying like that's eh, not the worst thing in the world i wouldn't call it a bad trip right but some of that changes for me after what we saw on wednesday you had a, a great win against toronto um you know the best win of the year in my opinion and you don't want to lose some of that momentum or some of that goodwill and good energy by losing to detroit you know so whereas going into the the road trip if you went two and four and say you told me they beat Cleveland and lost to Detroit I'd be like oh that sucks but I wouldn't call it a bad road trip well after that win on Wednesday I mean that changes things 
you know, for me personally. It's like, I'm going to finish this thing off right here. So, you know, I, I, I want to see them close this thing out and be 3-3 three and three on this six-game trip. Yeah, and, you know, when you go home, you have a six-game homestand coming up next, and it starts with a very bit winnable game against Charlotte. And then you have a tough game potentially against the Lakers uh, and then Washington, who you also should beat, and then back-to-back games against the Nuggets and then the Jazz, which, um, you know, they should beat the Jazz, but the Nuggets games are, are going to be a, a good litmus test for where the Kings are. And so um, you don't want to be giving wins away with how closely stacked the the, the West is. Uh, you know, they lose a couple games that they shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, instead of the five or the six seed, they're they're 10 or 11, right? So they, they just need to, you know, they're in the thick of it. It's really It's really closely packed in the West. And so they can't be giving games away against teams they should beat. And I would absolutely put Detroit without Cade Cunningham, who had surgery today to repair his chin injury. If he's, if, you know, he's done for the year. Like if they, if the King can't beat Detroit tonight, then I think that would be a pretty, a pretty bad end to, to what's been an otherwise reasonably good road trip. You are listening to D'Lo and KC on KIFM, West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, KRX, QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320, driven by Lashers, Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app. Chris Biederman, kind enough to join us from his hotel in Detroit. Not only does he cover the Sacramento Kings, he covers the San Francisco 49ers as good as anybody else out there. And Chris, not since Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Dan Marino, has there been excitement about a young quarterback like Brock Purdy. <laughs> Chris, people are going crazy over. <laughs> I, I saw on Twitter what the internet was calling him last night. I, I that is not appropriate. Not my job. That is not, not appropriate job. at all. But, <laughs> but everyone's all His in. His name is Brock Purdy. Okay, that's it. Everyone yeah. is all yeah. in on Brock Purdy. They keep winning games. The 49ers clinch up the NFC West. Man, th- th- this this has to be one of Kyle's finest coaching jobs, doesn't it? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I you know, I, having been, I was you know on the beat starting in 2013, obviously been there the entire Kyle Shanahan era, uh, and I think this is Kyle Shanahan's best coaching performance. And the and the fact that you know they can go to Seattle, a place where it's been really tough to win, regardless of how good the Seahawks are. Um, to go to Seattle with your third-string quarterback uh, and win that game the way they did, it, it felt a lot. It felt a lot more lopsided than than the eight-point score, right? Um, so to me, like the fact that Kyle Shanahan is getting Brock Purdy to play at this level, I think it speaks more to Kyle Shanahan than Brock Purdy. And I asked around a little bit, and you know, the the impression I got from somebody inside the building was that Purdy's kind of been the same guy even since going back to college like he can function he's a functional quarterback he can play with poise he can run the plays he can distribute the ball he can make the necessary reads like that's always been the thing with him and that's why Kyle Shanahan has liked him so much and I think what you're seeing now is just like a mind meld of, of Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy in the sense that like Kyle's drawing up the right plays Brock Purdy's executing them and he's got enough playmakers that um, that they can they can get what they need offensively. And, and you know, the Christian McCaffrey trade, like I know we've talked about it a lot, but they and the Niners did give up a lot. But they're scoring a touchdown more game since since they got him. And, you know, you think like had they lost Debo Samuel and not had Christian McCaffrey and, you know, with Elijah Mitchell on IR again, had the 49ers gone into that game with Jordan Mason, an undrafted rookie 
as their starting running back and Brock Purdy, the, the last pick in the draft as, as their quarterback, it's really hard to envision them winning that game. And I know Jordan Mason has played well, but like he's not Christian McCaffrey in, in terms of the value given to the offense with what McCaffrey can do as a check down option in the passing game and, you know, even create space for others. So the, the touchdown, the Hollywood touchdown um, where, you know, there's a fake both ways like that, those types of plays sort of exemplify Christian McCaffrey's value because defenses have to key on that guy. And when you're running a fake screen to him, then defenses move and create space. And that's that, that can be a way that you get George Kittle wide open over the middle. So um, I, I think it's it's a really impressive job by Kyle Shanahan. I, I do think he should be should at least be in the conversation for coach of the year. Um, we haven't heard that a whole lot, I don't think. But um, you know, the I fact think that Nick the Sirianni final, probably has that locked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Nick, yeah, I, I think that's fair too. But you, you know, like Nick, not Sirianni, that Kyle's not deserving. I absolutely believe Kyle Shanahan. I'm just deserving. saying he deserves to be in the discussion. Like I don't even know. Oh, you know, all the podcasts and stuff I read, like he. Kyle Shanahan doesn't really get any any chatter in the in the coach of the year conversation. And I would say he's probably top three, at least, mm-hmm. um, given the fact that he just won his division with a third string quarterback. So um, on top of orchestrating the Christian McCaffrey trade, looks which looks like a total boon for the 49ers right now. Chris. Oh, boy. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to gloss over Brock Purdy. I'm not going to do it right now because I got to talk about what I saw yesterday after the game against Miami. Look good. Solid. And mind you, this is somebody where, you know, when people were, you probably heard people kind of, I want to say clamoring, that's a little strong. But people were like, yo, I kind of like this Brock Purdy in the preseason. And I was like, I don't see much there. I I don't see nothing bad, but I don't see something where I need to see him in the game. But after the Miami game, I was like, that's cool. Tampa Bay, he made some throws where I was like, you, (laughs) yo, what is that? And I said, I still need to see some. I need to see what he looks like on the road, a hostile environment, short week. He's a little banged up. What does he do? And the way he handled last night, the way he handled I, I you talked about the double screen down the middle. That was phenomenal. You got the, uh, the play where he slides on third down, you know, putting the ball, having the presence of mind to put the ball in front of his knee, all this other stuff. But the thing to me, and maybe this is just elementary. Maybe it is, Chris. I want to know what you think. But on the Kittle touchdown, the second one, he looks like Kittle is probably his third or fourth read. You know, he's going through the reads, and there is just this instinctual slide to the left that he made. It wasn't it didn't feel like it was taught to him. It didn't feel like it was it was something that he had to think about. It's something that somebody who's played a lot of quarterback just does. He's like, Oh, let me get over here, make this angle, hit him on a dime. I don't know, Chris. I'm seeing things that 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 is just it's it's looking natural to him at the position. I don't know what it means. I don't know what he's going to end up being, but it's looking natural. I think it speaks to just his overall comfort level, right? And I think ultimately that's what's leading to the poise, and, and that's what's been probably the most important thing is that he's not getting caught up in the moment and, and playing too fast or um, getting over his skis. Like you hear Steve Young talk about, he, he mentioned this with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think last year when Jimmy Garoppolo was struggling, that, um, he thought Garoppolo was going through his reads too quickly. And sometimes your mind can, can you know, you're so so focused on what you're trying to do that you think a little bit too fast and maybe you come off reads too quickly. Um, and Purdy's just, like, calm. He's just calm. He's poised. And, and it speaks to all this experience he had. I know I mentioned it last time I was on the show, but in so many ways he's the opposite of Trey Lance in that 
Trey Lance is a super talented, physically gifted quarterback, but he simply hasn't played a lot. He had 19 college starts, and Brock Purdy is four. And everything you mentioned, the being able to move in the pocket, being able to keep your eyes downfield and staying calm, that's just a product of playing a lot of football. And so if, if he can maintain that, the floor for the 49ers is just that much higher because, you know, he's not turning the ball over. Like, the, he's not turning the ball over and the 49ers are moving the chains on third down. And that, to me, is the most important. Those are the most important indicators for Brock Purdy. Um, it's going to be interesting to see now in the playoffs, like when they play against better defenses, because obviously the Seahawks' defense has not been great. Um, the Seahawks were one of the worst teams in the league defending the run, and the 49ers did plenty against against them in the running game, and that certainly helped a lot. Like, is it going to look the same when the 49ers aren't ahead of the chains? Like they mm-hmm. can't run the ball and Brock Purdy has to bail them out. Is it going to be the same when, you know, they, they fall down by a score or two and they need to come back and win a game on the strength of Brock Purdy's throwing arm? Like, is that going to be a situation that, that Brock Purdy can bounce back from? Cause like you, like, you know, I still have quite, I still have those questions. Like I, I think Brock Purdy now can do a lot of what Jimmy Garoppolo did, maybe a little bit more given the athleticism. Like Jimmy Garoppolo isn't scrambling for a first down and and beating a defender around the edge. That's just Mm -hmm. not part of Jimmy Garoppolo's game. And even like the Tampa Bay game, like you mentioned, making defenders miss and making some of those throws um, that he made, you know, the one to Debo Samuel really stands out where he made a guy miss and and then hit him down the sideline for a big game. Like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of plays like that where it just seems like Purdy is super comfortable playing football. Um, and that's just a product of the experience that he had coming out of Iowa State. And that's why he's so different from Trey Lance. And that's why this offseason is really going to be fascinating. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we have a playoff run here to, to think about. But um, Brock Purdy is certainly giving the 49ers organization something to think about in terms of what their quarterback situation is going to look like going into 2023. Well, looking at the very immediate future, what what do you know, the NFC West belongs to the San Francisco 49ers. What, what, what do you think that means for the next three weeks? Seeding matters. Um, they're going to they're gonna try to catch Minnesota for the number two seed, and I absolutely think they can. They're only a game back, um, or two games back. I, f- I forget. I need to look at the standings. I've been in basketball mode. <laughs> but, yeah, game um, back. Game back. Uh, yeah. They're Vikings game back. got three so, losses. Uh, 49ers have four. Okay. So, yeah, they could catch Minnesota, and if they do that, that potentially means, you know, a, 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 if they win in the first round, that they can get a home game in round two which obviously would be super important because, you know, when you have a quarterback like Brock Purdy, you'd ideally like to play at home where the weather is probably going to be more favorable than, than somewhere else. Although Minnesota does play in a dome, but um, Minnesota, I've been in that stadium. That place gets really loud. I think it's one of the more underrated home atmospheres in the NFL, but uh, they're, they're playing for seating. They're going to try to get that home game in round two, assuming they can win in round one. So that's going to be really important for them. Um, because we saw, you know, in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, how important having home field uh, was for them in comparison to last year where, you know, they go down to L.A. And, and when things stop going your way in a road environment, it sort of feels like an avalanche effect where that doesn't really happen so much when you're at home. So when a, when a atmosphere gets charged up and things start going the home team's way, like we saw in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, it feels like it's a lot harder to come back and re- recontrol the game, whereas if you're at home, it might be a little bit easier. So I think that's their focus. They want to get their guys healthy, obviously, but they're really going to prioritize getting the second seed in the NFC. 
Great stuff, Chris. I was just about to tell Chris, I ain't bringing Jimmy back for, for the playoffs. Two, two weeks ago, I was like, yeah, okay, Jimmy might be back wild card. Nah, I'm, I'm going to take my chances with Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point. Like, I think Brock, I think last night went a long way towards validating that point. The fact that he could go, regardless of opposition, go to one of the most hostile environments on a short week, playing hurt. Um, and get, put, play like he did. I, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, what type of quarterback he can be um, in, in a tough situation. And, and yeah, I think it speaks to like they don't, they absolutely don't need to rush Jimmy Garoppolo back now because Brock Purdy seems like he's he's playing well enough to to keep the 49ers in these games and you know and potentially win some playoff games. Chris, we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks as always. Uh, let's get that Kings win tonight and yeah, safe man. travels tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you as always. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.